Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. This is Tuesday, June the 28th, 2016. And our call-in number is 646 200 4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here to share with us once again as we engage in the understanding of first century Aramaic forgiveness and bring forward the truth of how to heal the human mind. We're not here to tell anybody the truth of the world, but rather to draw forward the truth of human existence. If you hold a newborn, you know exactly what a human being is. And our effort with all the tools that we develop is to support the bringing of that human beingness into full expression in the world. And of course, to do that, everything that's not human in us needs to be forgiven. And our conversation about forgiveness, we've looked back to the first century Aramaic for a definition of that word. We live in a culture that tells us that forgiveness is about how if I'm in pain, it's all your fault. And if I just let you off the hook, then things will be better for me. And our offering here is that has nothing whatsoever to do with forgiveness. That's the act of pardoning, which is a nice thing if you choose to do it, but not germane to forgiveness. Nothing to do with forgiveness. When you think forgiveness, think removal. If you're in a circumstance or a situation, where life resonates some form of hostility or fear in you toward another, whether it's your darkest enemy or your closest friend, your child, your spouse, or someone on the other side of the planet. The darkness that moves in you is something that belongs to you. And if you create your life out of darkness, then you will find yourself meeting darkness everywhere you go. The ancient Aramaic, they said, take care of the heart. For out of it are the issues in life. They were telling us exactly how the creative process works and that each of us as creators, through the content of our own unconscious minds, and that word heart is a word we couldn't translate in the West until just a few decades ago. That, that word from the Aramaic explains to us or says to us that out of the accumulated energetic dynamics of a thousand generations, those things that we hide within us are the things that produce the results in our lives. If we want to change the results, we've got to change the content of our own hearts or unconscious minds. Forgiveness is the key tool for collapsing the mind's perceptions and bringing us into direct contact with what's unconscious in us, with what's been hidden. Not always a fun process to do, but always a productive process. So that's what we're here to share with you, and we're honored that you're here to uh, to join us in doing that. And yesterday we didn't have much time for callers, so we're going to open the floor, say hello to Dr. Tim, see what he has to share, and then see if we have any callers. Dr. Tim, how do you be, sir? 
I'm actually looking on the switchboard right now. I just now got into Mom's. I was doing this remotely by my phone. And uh, so looking for his number, and I am not seeing him. There he is. Hello, Dr. Tim. I'm doing very well, thank you. We're having our own little technical difficulties here in Illinois. So I'm calling in on my cell phone, but I'm at my office where we had a telephone power line pole fire. Big excitement, fire engines, power outage, phone outage. But other than that, I'm doing beautifully. Awesome. Well, anything exciting happening in the world of practice today or anything in particular to share with us? Well, two things. One is I was listening to an old show while I was riding my bike this morning, and I heard lots of you were pulling things out of the book Buddha's Brain, and it was fascinating. I haven't thought about that book in a year or two or three. And um, I Which used book was that again, Tim? Pardon me? I say, which book was that again? Buddha's Brain. Oh, yes. Okay. And you were reading some passages from it because people weren't calling. It was during an intensive teacher training intensive. And um, I was actually in the intensive in the kitchen at the time, so I wasn't on the call at all. But you were reading parts of it, and, and, and the key there is that we have a part of our brain that's developed to run through scenarios and actually give us little clips about what's happened in the past and what might happen in the future. And and it's a survival mechanism that was pretty useful, but now that we live our lives in a situation where we really don't need to be scanning the environment for survival all the time, the end result is that it takes us out of present moment, moment awareness. And we often project the content of a little snippet or a scenario that our mind is replaying from the past or projecting into the future. And we weave that into our perception of the moment and we think we hear people say and do things that they never really said and did. And this happens all the more um, frequently or intensely whenever we're triggered to any kind of a negative emotion. And the other part of it is that we tend to over-predict how much joy or gratification we're going to get from something once we um, accumulate it, once we achieve it. So we have the tendency to over-predict the negatives into the future, and we over-predict how much we're going to enjoy or appreciate something that we say we want when we're going for it, to acquire it. So that was, you know, a big big part of the, the end of the show because no one was raising a hand to um, talk to you. And um, one of the, the ways that I use that on a regular basis is I try to get myself to pay attention to am I uh, am I awake in the moment? So, you know, when when I show up at my office and I left my phone at home. That's a nice little wake-up call to the fact that I wasn't really in the moment when I was getting ready to leave the house. My mind was somewhere else. And it can be somewhere else in replaying old vignettes or scenarios from the past, or it can be anticipating all the things I have to do once I get to the office. The result's the same. If I'm not paying attention in the moment, I end up doing things more often than not that I later regret. So that was my offering for today. That and the fact that as we replay these uh, little vignettes from the past, we end up um, creating guilt and shame and punishment of self that really don't do us service and they don't do our families and friends service in the present moment. And I had a couple people this morning that I was working with around those issues where people were 
busy beating themselves up for things that happened 30 or 40 years ago uh, where from the their interpretation of what happened, they labeled themselves as being at fault and to blame and and shameful. And um, so that's already a pattern in today, and we've only had a couple sessions so far today. So, so there you are. That's my offering for today. Well, delighted to hear from you. Delighted to have you on the team. Let's check with Jeannie and see if there's anything happening in the chat room to be aware of or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue. Jeannie, anything you have to share with us today? Hmm. I've been running around this morning visiting um, a little girl that I actually taught in Sunday school years ago, and now she's 28 and has her own little baby, and so I stopped by and spent the morning with them. Then went shopping for the family reunion that's coming up this weekend, so it's been busy, busy. But we do have two callers. Great. Well, let's say hello. All right. The first one's area code 314. You're on the air. Oh, is that me? That's you. You're on the air. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? I'm Ruth, and I'm from Missouri, St. Louis. Welcome. Glad to hear you. How can we support you today? Well, Michael, I'm working on my issues on fear, and I've realized that fear has become like an entity instead of just an emotion. And I would like for you to be able to help me a little bit on how to deal with this entity because, to me, it's more of like a person to me than it is an emotion. I mean, it is definitely an emotion, but it's also, I mean, it has been created into a monster for me. Does that make sense? I I think it makes perfect sense. There's a and what comes to mind is there's a story about the Native American boy who goes to his grandfather, the elder, the uh, the wisdom keeper of the tribe, and says, "I don't know what to do. I have these these two dogs inside of me. One of them is a black dog, and one of them is a white dog. And the white dog is gentle and caring and nurturing, and the black dog is fearsome and." terrible and he says there's this war going on inside of me and i don't know which one will win and the the elder says the white dog will win and he says well grandfather how do you know that he said because that's the one you will feed and you know fear becomes that entity if we feed it it becomes literally seems to be self-sustaining as though it stands on its own two feet and the the power of the process of forgiveness is that it gives you a way to go underneath the surface to the hidden part of the mind where that becomes an entity, where that is linked in to so many places that it seems to have a life of its own. So my first question would be, have you been doing any worksheets around fear and what's going on in your world? Yes. I mean, fear stops me from doing things that I want to do. It's I mean, I even had a fear of calling you today. So, I mean, I I passed through that. And, you know, I mean, you know, do I pick up the phone? Don't I pick up the phone? Do I call? Don't I call? And it's like the fear of just being heard um, holds me back. Um, Mm -hmm. But my, my, my deal is even when me doing the worksheets, I I have a difficulty of trying to figure out what my goal is with this, other than, of course, releasing this this entity out of my life and throwing it away that I didn't understand. Because I know you always said that a goal has to be positive, and I'm just a little confused at this point. Well, actually, as opposed to being positive, what we're talking about when you do the worksheet is to look for the constructive result that you want to produce in your life. What's the constructive result that I want? So, you know, maybe in, in regard to say, for instance, calling to the show, it might be, well, what I want is to be heard. And if in my file, so to speak, in my mind on being heard, there's a lot of fear then just the thought of being heard is going to resonate and the energy of fear is going to move in me. And as it moves in me, 
it becomes the lens or the filter through which I see my world. And so I taint everything with that fear. And if you go back to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, he said the first order of business, first law, was to make sure that rather than looking through the filter of fear or hostility, that you're looking through the filter called love, that you enter into a practice. So it's, it's a part of the forgiveness process. If you look at step four in the worksheet, the invitation is to get tapped into and centered in love. I don't know if since the last intensive you're at, you've been practicing the uh, the love exchange process with yourself in the mirror, or with the people around you. But you know, it's like what which one do you feed? If the the idea of that practice, you know, when we introduced the uh, the love exchange, and we said do a love exchange with at least two people uh, and yourself in the mirror every day for the rest of eternity. And you're feeding that filter, you're strengthening the activity of that filter that literally allows energetic patterns within the mind that are keyed to love to be active and blocks out or transmutes the patterns based in any form of hostility or fear if those things are moving in you. So I would suggest that practice would be one. I don't know if you've done a love exchange with anyone recently or with yourself. No. Okay. Well, no. I suggest there's a, a good place to start then is to uh, you know, sit down. Me. Say thank again. You for remind- said, oh, thank you for reminding me. Thank you for reminding me. That's what we're here for. Yay. So it becomes a filter, literally, you know, there are three filters in the human mind. And when they said to Yeshua, you know, with all this, you're teaching us all these words, you're saying, what's, what's most important? He says, you must have, you know, the, the Greeks told us, he said, you got to love your neighbor and love God like you love yourself. Not what it says in Aramaic at all. What he said was, you got a filter in your mind called Rachma. And that okay. filter only allows data keyed to love to be used in forming your perception, your guidance. And so the alternatives are when fear is active, then everything the mind produces, and this is an internal process, it's not coming from the outside, everything the mind produces in the way of guidance will be filtered through threat. So we can look at the most wonderful, loving object of attention, and we'll feel threatened by it because that we're looking through that filter of fear. When looking through the filter, the alternative one is hostility, then literally everything we look at will be tainted with irritation. So if I'm in irritation, then I know the hostility filter is active. If I'm in fear, then I, or I'm in feeling threatened, then I know the fear filter is active. And when that occurs, if I work toward forgiveness and collapsing whatever is based in fear and hostility in me and returning to the practice of maintaining the presence of love. And, you know, it's, it's a practice that isn't necessarily sustained in the world or, or you'll find little support for it in the world. You've probably noticed there are plenty of people who are ready to sit down over a drink or a cup of coffee and, you know, let's have a drug and let's talk about the terrible things going on in the world with no presence of love available. And, you know, that's kind of become the way of the world. And to a degree, you have to come apart from that if you're really truly going to live as a human being rather than, you know, Yeshua talked about it this way, are, are you, I'm, I am in this world. In other words, yeah, I see all its hostilities, its fears, its inequities, its insanities. But that doesn't source my perception. I am not of this world. And if we don't stay with the practice of the tools, the tendency can be to fall into the dynamics of the world. And as you start to extract yourself from those dynamics, and it takes day-to-day, consistent, persistent, ongoing work in order to make that shift. My experience over the years is that for somebody to really, truly begin to comprehend that and put that into work in their lives takes about five years to begin of the consistent conscious application of the tools. 
to really start to comprehend what that means. And otherwise, it's easy to slip back into the way the game is played in the world. And only I can determine which filters I choose to see the world through. And the two of the tools presented are the forgiveness process and the love exchange to keep feeding Rachma, the filter that keeps you on track with your human life, and forgiveness to keep weakening the other energies. Again, not a lot of support in the world for it. That's why we're here every day, five days a week, to support people in keeping on track with keeping love, the active energy behind their perception and their human lives. So it does take the ongoing use of the tools. Okay. And if there are any particular, you know, when you did um, Laws of Living, you know, we introduced, for instance, the grievance tool to work with grievances against people. You might want to dig that one out and go to work with it again and take a look at each of the other worksheets and, and consciously, purposely step into managing your mind. Because if you don't manage your mind, the world will be only too happy to jump in and take over for you. And it's easy to slip back into the world running the show. And, you know, it's pretty bizarre, pretty insane. It's true. Yeah. And, of course, we invite you to, uh, to be part of this part of this conversation every day because the focus of it is to, to keep awareness and to keep moving in the direction of living as the active presence of love and making sure my mind comes along with me because – We've all got plenty of hostility and fear to go around, and the world will only too happily support us staying in that. So you do have to come apart from the from the game and and the ongoing work of daily practice. You know, if you want to become, if you want to really live as a true human being, for instance, you know, I I I lay a hundred to one odds that if we had a cell phone number for Tiger Woods, he's on the golf course today. People would say, well, you know, he's one of the best golfers in the world. What's he doing on the golf course today? That's why he's one of the best golfers in the world, because he uses the tools and he practices. If you want to function and live as a human being, you know, you can't be run by the world, because if you just get along with and go along with the energetic dynamics that run the world, then there's, there's not, I was actually talking with someone this morning and uh, the, the conversation reminded me of oh, about a year ago, I was doing some research on this idea of human beings being love. And I came across a quote from a first century BC. So 2,100 years ago, this rabbi quote said, in a world where there is no human life, we must each strive to be human. And, of course, human life holds a newborn child. You know what it is. You've got one of those. But there's such a powerful host of faculties that come along with living as a human life that give you things like free will and choice and the ability to live in the presence of love things that kings and the commercial world don't want you to have because you're not good for business if you live in choice. You're not good for business if you're not in fear and drugging yourself all the time. You know, give me another drug. Give me something else. Give me more more stuff to cover up my pain. When you truly go for digging into your mind and doing your life, things shift. And it takes conscious, consistent, persistent effort. So I'd support you going back through all of the tools that you acquired in Laws of Living and digging them out and putting them back to work. Okay. And if you if you have questions as you uh, you encounter those, if there's anything about them that's not clear, then you know that's what we're here to have a conversation about and support you in understanding it and putting it to work in your life. Okay. And I join you in breathing. Pardon? 
I say, I and I join you in breathing. <laughs> I, thank you. <sighs> ah, good breath. That's the kind that releases. And let, let's see, Dr. Tim might have some info. Tim? Dr. Tim Bear? He is. Just took me a moment to get my mute, mute to work on my cell phone. I'm I'm just sitting here with a lot of brain cells resonating, as Michael said. You know, you can get people who will go out to coffee with you or go have a bite to eat or have a drink. It's so much more difficult to get people to do a love exchange or I was thinking about this. I went to something at the support at the uh, church that hosts the support group in Woodstock on Tuesdays. I was there on Sunday and I saw all these people who showed up for a church chat and for moving the church forward and doing all of these other activities. And then I look at how few people trickle through the support group that's been there for five years, six years, uh, hosted by their church. And I was resonating thoughts of, I understand that it isn't exactly Dr. Feelgood. It isn't exactly fun every time I do a worksheet. And yet, my life is so much better from having applied these tools on a regular basis over the past 12 years that I just, I wish there was a way to communicate to people how worth it it is to dig out the darkness, to bring the darkness to the light, to take the time to be willing to focus inside myself whenever there's pain or upset and to drop the biggest drug for a lot of us, which is, I got to figure this out. And just do a, do a process and ask to be shown. So that was, that's what was getting resonated for me. Just stop talking to myself about what this might mean and how I need to figure it out or what I need to do differently and just go into the process of identifying the goal and canceling it and asking to be shown the hidden part of my mind that's causing my, my pain. And you might you. Uh, want to touch in, um, Marcia, with, uh, with Gail. Um, Gail's been talking about doing a support group in St. Louis. There's also a couple who just finished doing Laws of Living when we did it uh, a few months ago here in Orlando. And they used to live, or at least he used to live in St. Louis, and they've just moved there. I'm not sure if they're there at the moment. They uh, they had a little bit of travel to take care of some things with her house, which was up in Wisconsin or Minnesota, somewhere up there. But they may be back, and they're working on, they have uh, run a support group the last couple of years out in um, in Oregon. And so being part of a support group is an awesome benefit. And uh, when we get off the phone or when the show is over, I'll text you uh, their phone numbers and you touch in with them and maybe touch in with Gail and maybe you could be part of helping a support group to get moving. There's also a a young man who's a chiropractor there who's uh, working on uh, the tools and uh, perhaps uh, everybody – Yes, Dr. Phil. Perhaps everybody um, might want to come together and get a support group moving. Yeah, I go to him. Awesome. Okay. Very cool. Well, you've got great support then. Alrighty. Well, yeah, again, he was, yeah, we were talking about this fear thing, and that was what my deal was, was, um, you know, not using fear as an emotion, but as an entity and how to release that and what is the forgiveness, or not the forgiveness, but what is the goal to let go of that. I was trying to figure out, well, what, you know. You, yeah, so, so first of all, you can't figure it out. But what you can do, 
and, and, and you, you won't necessarily want to look at the goal around fear. You're going to want to look at the goals you hold as you walk through life. Like, for instance, if um, you mentioned, gee, I had fear about making this call. So your mind puts fear into your perception about making a call and speaking up. So when I look at, oh, so this is about being heard and speaking up, then that would give me a place to cue into what kind of goals are driving my fear. So if it's when I think I'm going to speak up and somebody's going to hear me, then, you know, there's where the, the step three in the worksheet, the goal would be being heard or speaking up, or it might be reaching out for help, reaching for support. Gee, if I've got a file in my mind on being supported and when I was a kid, you know, there was just no such thing as support. And every time I reached up my hand up for help, my hand got slapped. Then, you know, the, tendency to perceive anything to do with support would tend to activate that fear. And so I do worksheets on my goal to be able to reach out and ask for support. And then when I cancel that goal, the key step is that in understanding the forgiveness process, if you remember, is when I cancel that step or that goal, it's the goal that causes my mind to use its fear-based content to filter the world that I see. And by canceling the goal, I've undone the conditions that keep the fear active in me. I drop beneath the surface directly to touch into what's at the root of my fear. And when I expose that to love, then it begins to dissolve. So they would be, for instance, three worksheets you could do, you know, wanting to be heard, wanting to speak up, and reaching for support. So gotcha. each of those would be the goal. So you look at what's the situation. Gee, you know, I'm thinking about applying for a new job, and I just know they're going to reject me, and I'm just terrified they'll reject me. Oh, so I want to be able to um, be accepted and approved of. So that would be the constructive result that I want to produce, being accepted, approved of. Or, you know, if I apply for this job, they might think I'm good enough. Oh, so then my goal is I want to be perceived as being good enough. Right. So you look I, at – go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I mean, I've done some of those, but obviously seven times seven, so go ahead. Well, that's it, is that you, you don't clean it all out with one worksheet. As if, if it's no. grown to the point in your mind where you perceive it as an entity, then obviously it has a lot of tentacles, and you're going to cut them off one at a time by looking at what's the circumstance that brings this up, canceling the goal, collapsing it, and cleaning up that piece of it, that piece of it, that piece of it, until... There's just nothing left of it. And, you know, when they said to yesterday, well, how many of these darn worksheets do we have to do to get through this entity? Is seven enough? His answer in Aramaic was no, 77 times 70, which I understand as him saying, you know, he wasn't giving us a literal number. If you do 77 times 70 worksheets, you'll be done with it. He was using a number that was beyond, you know, people in that day was beyond their comprehension. And he was saying, you'll do an infinite amount of work around this issue until you've removed all of its tentacles from your mind. And that's just an ongoing process. Okay. Thank you so much, Michael. Hey, I'm delighted. Glad to be on the team. It's nice to hear your voice. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Okay. Blessings. Take care. Thank you. Jenny, you had another call? call? Yes, area code 707. You are on the air. Who do we have? Uh, hello. Hi, give us a hello. name. Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Julie from Perump. How are you guys doing? Well, we're well. Welcome, young lady. The last time we spoke, I wasn't too well. And um, still having some difficult times. And been through some really rough times, been in the hospital, had surgery since we spoke, minor, nonetheless. Ouch. My cat is in the process of an enlarged heart and a blown-out ACL and having to put her down. 
And a friend is in hospice, and this all unloaded on me in three weeks. So for me, I go to my class, I call it group session, you know, on Friday night, and I'm just pounding out um, worksheets in, in, in the class and um, had a little bit of a rough time there as well. But um, how does one, because I, if for me, I've always referred to myself as Murphy's Law. Everything just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting, and the overwhelmingness is what gets me. Now, I'm stronger right now, you know, than we spoke the last time. You know, all these things come about, and, and I'm not the only one I'm sure this happens to, but it just doesn't seem to quit. So besides the worksheets and this overwhelmingness that um, keeps hitting me, how do I get to that? Well, you know, there's a whole series of tools that we teach. Uh, we were just talking with Marcia about doing the love exchange, and that can be very powerful to do with yourself and the people around you, and it's really a simple tool, basically, and you can just do it with yourself in the mirror. Sit down and look at yourself in the mirror and just tap into whatever it is that keys you into the presence of love. Now, I go back to holding a newborn. When my daughter was born, uh, I had the opportunity and the privilege to catch her, and I held Mm. her head in my hands as she delivered. And when the medicos tell us that baby can't focus, you know, its eyes for days after birth, laser focus of her eyes into my eyes and a grin on her face that sent me into another, literally, I mean, totally, completely another dimension. And that was a dimension where the physical presence of love was palpable in my body. So I go back to that. And so whatever you know, will resonate that for you. Jeannie, you know, she does telephone work uh, with people, doing worksheets and such. And and uh, she had a woman back a couple of years ago that she worked with over a, a fairly significant period of time. And when she asked her to tap into that presence of love, there was nothing she could even think of or fathom. And then finally, after some prompting, she came in... up with, well... Can I interrupt you there, please, for a moment? Go ahead. That's something that was brought up in class, um, our group, the other night. I don't, I thought I did, but I don't have a lot of things I can tap into. My main thing is the cats. That was exactly what I was just going to share with this woman. That's what she did. She went back to her cat, but she couldn't just think about her cat. The first, actually, I don't know, two or three or four sessions that Jeannie was working with her, she would actually have to physically go and get her cat and put it on her lap and pet it to tap into that love. And then she was able to do it just by thinking about the cat. And so Yeah, but I'm having to put that, my cat down. Yeah, I hear you. But you can focus on the good parts. You know, that's what we do when we lose a loved one, too. Instead of focusing on their death and that they've gone, is celebrating their life and, and what joy we had with them. So uh, somebody in the chat room actually just mentioned that when you were talking about some of the things, you were talking about, you know, the bad things and that it was hitting on you and hitting on you and hitting on you. And their words are very powerful. And so someone in the chat room actually kind of questioned your words that you were using too. And that ties in with you thinking of, well, I've got to put my cat down. You've got to learn, and it takes practice. You've got to learn to shift your focus instead of focusing on the bad, focus on the good. You've probably had your cat for some time. So you've had those Mm -hmm. good moments of, of her loving on you and things like that. And so focus on those to get to that reconnected space instead of focusing on, oh, yeah, I love my cat, but I've got to put her down. It's very mm-hmm. subtle, but when we do those things, it, it tells our mind how to perceive it. And, and for me, and I think I mentioned it before, 
you know, going through this program and learning all these tools and ways to do things, um, it's like learning a little bit of another language and, and, and making those shifts. And then you fall into these old habits and then, you know, I get frustrated with myself and it's like, no, I'm not supposed to be thinking that way. I'm supposed to be thinking this way. And so I'm just, sometimes I feel like a ping pong ball. And I understand what that person's saying in the chat room. I understand what was even said to me in group on Friday night. But at the same time, it, it's, it's not always easy. And I'm trying to get through it enough where I can, and I think I've mentioned this before, I can't get to a place where I'm shedding enough of it to be able to really get in and do the work. And this is where I'm having issues, you know. And my my offering would be, Julie, that that is just part of coming out of a world of darkness and a mind of darkness and shifting into a mind based in light. You know, it's a process and uh, it would be nice to uh, have a magic wand or throw a switch and gee, it's done. But when you recognize, you know, the generational patterns take mm-hmm. you in a particular direction, reclaiming yourself out of those patterns just takes a chunk of work, you know. I mean, it's there's no other way to do it but then to put one foot in front of the other and do the work that it takes to clean those dynamics up in yourself. It's it's a process. There's going to be overwhelm. There's going to be trauma. You know, you can get some sense of how intense it becomes if you read the book of Job, which is nothing but a story of a healing process, someone moving from darkness to light and going through every trauma you could imagine anybody going through. You want to talk about somebody who's overwhelmed, go read Job. I have it on my book stand on my desk, and I have been reading it just for that purpose alone. So so you um, see the point where he asked for an intermission. mm -hmm. You remember that? And he says, God, yeah. and, and you get a sense of just how much overwhelm he's in, and, and that's part of the process. In making that shift, he says, God, just give me time to swallow my saliva. That's all I need. That's pretty intense overwhelm. And it's a recognized, you know, that's thousands of years ago. It's a recognized part of the process in shifting the mind. Unfortunately, I wish I could snap my fingers and it could be done, and it's not going to be done like that. No, and now, I the intensive, don't expect it to. I just wanted to figure, you know, something just to shed some of it off of me so I can gain my balance, so to speak, for lack of better terms. You have it. That's the tools you have. And step by step, mm-hmm. you make those the new ways of thinking and behaving and undo the generational patterns. So when you realize how many generations each of us is the result of in our bloodline. And, you know, there's, you may remember from physics class in high school, the definition of the word inertia, a body moving in a particular direction, a particular rate of speed will tend to continue to move in that direction at that rate of speed until it's acted upon by an outside force. We have Mm -hmm. to wake up and become the outside force that changes the direction of this multi-generational database called the body-mind unit that has a thousand generations of insanity in it. It's got some awesome things in it too, but the tendency is for the stuff with the highest energy, the highest amplitude tends to be the hostility and fear because that's what the world pretty much is focused on. And so Mm -hmm. my input would be to just, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other, make sure you get to that support group every Friday night and just step by step, keep doing your work and coming out of darkness into light is not an easy thing to do. You have to face a a lot of things. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And, mm-hmm. and your question is actually essentially exactly the question that Marcia was asking. And so it's just an extension of the conversation that, you know, that's just part of the process. And there comes a point where there'll be a shift in your mind and all of a sudden 
instead of looking through those filters of overwhelm, which come from hostility and fear, you will naturally begin to look through things at the same things through the active presence of love. And there'll be a whole, I mean, you'll literally, your whole perceptual world will be different. Yeah, and you know, you were saying how you tap into love, and, and it dawned on me through everything I've been doing, um, which includes, by the way, with my father having passed away when I was five years old. Um, I thought I was cool mm-hmm. with it all, and obviously I found out I wasn't, which is okay. Right. I've started writing a quite lengthy letter to him, um, and I have found that helpful. Um, in the sense and looking at it, I'm calling him daddy and then dad and then father. And as I, as I write this letter and um, things left unsaid from a five-year-old mind um, and things wanting to be said from, you know, my adult mind now. And, and I'll probably write a few more letters to other, my mom and, you know, things like that because everybody's passed away in my family. So, um, that's been a good thing, but tapping into love, I I feel like so much has happened and the overwhelmness has come in that I've kind of gotten a little numb to it all with the exception of my cat. And I, you know, I, I know it intellectually, but trying to get the mind and the heart, i.e. heart math, how they, you know, teach you on that, um, connected. And that's where, you know, one of the, uh, the things that I'm having a hard time with so I could tap into that love instead of the anger and the hostility and the fear and everything that's just come out. You know, that little volcano is pretty active here lately and it's been a little difficult. So, um, and I keep going to class and I am committed to my Friday night class. I, you know, and so, um, but it's, just been hard and I you know probably need some more tools and assistance. I understand. I hear you. One of the things you might do, you know, it sounds like in writing this letter to dad, you're stirring a lot. You might look Mm -hmm. through the letter at what some of the worksheets would be that you might want to do around your relationship with dad. The things, you know, as you're writing to him, the places in your small, you know, five year old mind the things you wanted and work on those things with worksheets might help to accelerate moving through what you're stirring up because you're obviously stirring up a lot. Oh yeah. And in the format that I'm writing somewhat, you know, of course a lot of it's just off the top of my head conversation, you know, as though this letter is going to be posted and sent, but it's not. Um, I'm also formatting somewhat in the sense that I'm going to be able to finish that last third of our worksheet in the letter and be able to release it. And yes, other worksheets are interjecting with it, but you know, that's kind of, it's been a kind of a self assignment that was suggested to me by a friend who um, uh, they've never called in, but it's somebody that uh, goes to the, uh, the class with us that's from my church. Anyway, and she suggested writing this letter. And I thought, oh, my gosh, why didn't I think of this? And so it has been helpful. But like you said, it's stirring up even more than what's been stirred, you know. And But I am kind of trying to format it um, to, you know, work with the worksheets. And Perfect. if I can interject, also, mm-hmm. uh, as well as looking at the letter and seeing, you know, what it stirred up for you and doing wake-up sheets around it. Uh, this has been suggested several times in the last couple of weeks is to do the wake-up sheet as if you were your dad doing the wake-up sheet. And, you know, issues he may have, like put yourself in his shoes as if you were him and do wake-up sheets as if you were him. And that sometimes can bring about something totally different as well. And a couple people in the chat room said to tell you, practice, 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 and just stay with it and hang in there. It does get better. And this one person, she actually was on the support team for some time at Heartland, and she said she couldn't do the newborn thing either because it triggered so much pain for her in her own personal experience with her children. And so she actually used one of our neighbors there at Heartland, his dog. Um, Chalk always hung around Heartland, and uh, she always used Chalk as her connection to love. 
And so she said, you know, a lot of people have that very similar situation that you're having. And so just hang in there that it does get better. Um, I know it will. I know I'm overwhelming and I know that, you know, my shifting isn't shifted all the way by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I mentioned before and in the proper terms, yes, I'm committed to my Friday class in this radio program. So um, I, I know that things will eventually, you know, go over. I'm just trying to understand because in the beginning I understood this, you know, I got it. But as I got deeper into it, all of a sudden it was like, wow, am I really getting it? And I start questioning myself, questioning everything. And, and so I put myself in more misery by doing so. But um, I have always kept my, you know, commitment to it. So My offering would be? I appreciate the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My offering would be that you didn't put yourself in more misery you allowed yourself to become conscious of the misery that you've been hiding from yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you realize, you know, I mean, if you do the math, in 30 generations, there are in excess of 1.7 billion people in our genes. And you think about, you know, the things that you've personally been through, and then from what you know about what mom and dad went through, and then what you know of your grandparents and what they went through and your great-grandparents and who knows what was going on. You know, I don't know where you're from on the planet, but some historical research might be helpful to look into what was happening in these countries around the world that we all came from. And to allow those things to stir is to, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm reaching inside and I'm taking confetti and throwing it up in front of my face and I can't see a thing. If I don't throw the confetti up, I've got a pretty clear view. You'll seem to lose sight of what you gain insight in because each new insight takes you to a new level of vitality. And a new level of vitality gives you the strength to open up and throw a whole new bale of confetti to clean up. So just just stay with your process. You're right on track, and that's just part of the undoing of that generational mind that most of us, I mean, literally we live in a culture that tells us don't feel, don't look. If you have a feeling, I've got a pill for you, and or just have a fifth of scotch, and, you know, everything will be okay. And you're taking a different tact, and you're perhaps the first person in who knows how many generations of your bloodline that said, I'm going to open Pandora's box, and I'm going to look in there. And I'm going to start to wade through and work through it. And the benefits are enormous. The process isn't Dr. Feelgood. Let's see if Dr. Tim has anything to share with you. Tim? Well, I was just going to ask if she's done any work with the uh, energy, um, energy work, energy medicine, the EFT tapping, uh, the crossover technique. Um, Great tool. These are These are things that can spill off some energy so that the uh, processing is um, just easier. So on a regular basis, when people are doing a very intense worksheet in our group, they'll be tightening up, crying, or choking on their words, and we'll interrupt the process and ask them to just breathe and tap and or hold some energy points and breathe and just talk about releasing and allowing this energy to flow and allow the breath to move and allow the sensations to happen and flow through them and then go back to the the worksheet process and there's a there's a technique where you lay one hand over the other in front of you and grab palm to palm and then pull your arms toward yourself and tuck them in under your chin so you're basically seeding the energy across your meridian and then you cross your legs at the same time and just breathe and just allow whatever you're feeling to flow through you. And so there are a number of different tapping techniques. There are a number of good energy techniques. And it sounds like you're in one of those 
times in your life where you're processing a lot at the same time a lot's going on in the external world, and I would use all of these tools to put you in a more uh, receptive, open, allowing space. And then when that energy moves, you'll probably have more luck coming back and focusing on the worksheet process. Yeah, and thank you, Dr. Tim. Um, I, I I started to try um, find somebody who you had suggested, you know, and our conversation was pretty upset a while back um, in those that are experienced with EMTR and tapping and everything. I have been on a search, um, haven't had a lot of luck yet, and then I unfortunately got ill and, you know, was in the hospital and everything, so it kind of got put on hold a little bit too. Um, I've done a little tapping in my life, but I've forgotten how. So, um, Well, just, just go to the website emofree.com. Emofree.com. That's the oh, website I sent people to because he created it and he gives uh-huh. a lot of high-quality stuff completely free. So there's a free tutorial on how to do it. It's written out, and there are some videos to watch on how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a very good place to start to get a good foundation. Yeah, because the little bit of tapping I have done, and that been quite a few years now, when I first opened Pandora's box, um, it helped, and then I moved. And so, you know, um, it's not available right here per se. But it, I did notice a difference in, in, in releasing some energies and all of that. And then, of course, then I forget that that happened. And then you remind me. So now I will go check into it and get going with it because maybe that's what I'm looking for that will ease some of this overwhelmness so I can focus more clearly on the objective. And that's kind of what I'm trying to, to get without having to, you know, do a lot of driving between here and Vegas. Um, you know, so maybe this will be able to help me out and get me started and, and take things down a notch. Thank you. Also, just well, a, a note that. on the Thank fridge. A note on the fridge. Have you tapped today? Might be helpful. Just as a reminder, because the tendency is when those generations start to move, we go unconscious. We just lose awareness. And that's part of it when you allow yourself to access those deeper dynamics. So, you know, maybe just a note of a little reminder somewhere where you'd look regularly on the mirror, whatever, and you know, get a, I a marker it was due and, to age, and, and Michael. <laughs> say again? No, 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 no. It's I called like consciousness moving. <laughs> Unconsciousness moving. You know, a, oh, uh, a, a sharpie marker here. on the mirror with an outline and the tap points so that every morning when you're standing there combing your hair, it's like, oh, yeah, I could do a little tap. Oh, yeah, my eyebrows, I'll do that. Sure, around my cheekbones, cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I just wrote it on my little piece of paper on my computer covering the, um, um, what was it, the, the camera. Apparently we're supposed to do that now, having fun with it. Awesome. Um, anyway, I'm just playing around here a little bit, but taking seriously what you're saying. Um, but I do have a note. Glad to so feel you're lightening up. <laughs> you know, there Angels comes a point fly. where it gets so bad you can only laugh and have a good time and start all new again. Right. <laughs> Angels fly because they take themselves lightly. <laughs> yeah. Jeannie, was, Jeannie, you were going to say something? Um Two things. One, I put the link also in the notes for today's show, so thank you us that link again. And then someone just sent me a text and said, Michael was suggesting the love exchange. Said, do the love exchange with your cat. Ooh. Yeah. And that, I've never it done could, one, so that tool, I can still look it up so I can remember on, on uh, why again. You just Close actually just go inside get and quiet. get the clearest. Go ahead, Jeannie. Go ahead, sweetie. Just go inside and, and get the clearest, deepest love you can. And just looking at your cat, look it right in the eye and just send that love back at it. And it'll send it back to you. And it could create healing for both of you. Oh, what a great idea. I will do that when we will. finish here. Thank you. Thank you. 
So we are that's out of time. it for me for today. And thank you all. And I'm just going to say goodbye and, and have a blessed day. Okay. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye.